Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. Sweet, your word is sweeter than the honey in the honeycomb. And we pray that, Lord, your word will be released with his sweetness, with his power, with his grace, with his divine ability to bless us, transform us, change us, release your blessing over our lives. Thank you because you've answered our prayer. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen Amen and amen. Uh, We're going to continue our message on loneliness. We've been talking about uh, our theme is you are not alone. Uh, Examining God's antidote to loneliness. Uh, In the first part, we we define the problem. Uh, We call it the paradox of loneliness. Uh, Loneliness is a bigger problem than many of us think. Uh, It's a huge problem in the world today, in America today. Uh, leading cause of death now is being lonely. It's equivalent to smoking, smoking cigarette. We defined that, but last week we talked about God's antidote, that God is the God of the lonely. And that if you're lonely, if you're alone, you feel lonely, you shouldn't ostracize yourself. You shouldn't blame the world for your loneliness, whatever. You should respond correctly you know, by running to God instead of running away from him. Uh, Today we're going to talk about uh, what I call the blessing of loneliness. Uh, I'm going to let you know that loneliness can be a great blessing. With all the negative things that we've talked about loneliness, loneliness can be a blessing if we learn how to discern it properly. If you learn how to embrace it, And if you learn how to confront it in a godly manner, loneliness can really be a great blessing. And that's what I'm going to talk about, and I pray the Holy Spirit will open your heart in Jesus' name. I'm going to take us back to the passage that we read, Mark chapter 11. Uh, The story described there is actually, that story is written by all the three, we call it synoptic. Uh, Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all right? Synoptic is simply from the word synopsis, which means summary. You have to read all those passages together to get the story. Those are three accounts of this story. Uh, They all came from different angles, but the most important thing is they all recorded this, and they chose, you know, they they decide... Each of them decided on his own that this passage, this story is so important to include in the account of the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Usually we read this around Easter, Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. But I want to really bring some other point here today, uh, which, you know, I I trust the Holy Spirit will, uh, will reveal to you in Jesus' name. 
the story can be broken down into three parts. The first part is, you know, from verse one or two to like three. Uh, you know, I put it on the screen. Uh, it says, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, go to the village uh, ahead of you, and just as you enter, you will find a cold tie there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you what you're doing, why you're doing this, say the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back. So that's, that's the instruction. So we see the Jesus giving instruction. Then from verse 4, we see the disciple obeying the instruction, all right? And we see exactly the way Jesus saw it. That is exactly how it played out. So in verse 4 and 5, actually 4, 5, and 6, we see that they went and found a coat outside in the street tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people, actually, if you read the Luke version, it will tell you it was the owners, uh, owners uh, standing there ask, what are you doing untying the coat? They answered as Jesus had told them, and the people let them go. So they answered that the Lord needs it. That was the answer. And, and the people let them go, which is amazing. And the people actually, they heard that the Lord needs it, and they said, okay, uh, you can go. Then we see the result in verse 7 to 10. We see that when they brought the call to Jesus Christ and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. So Jesus decided to ride this. Uh, the, if you read it, you can get a little confusing. It was actually two animals. All right, there were two animals, a colt and a donkey. Uh, Matthew, Mark and Matthew decided they didn't really want to talk about a donkey. They just talk in general. But Luke was more descriptive. Uh, he called it, uh, he actually said uh, uh, the donkey and his colt. So there were two animals uh, that were there. So they brought it and uh, Jesus... Uh, and people, obviously, we know what happened. Uh, people started shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. Jesus wrote this and went into Jerusalem. And that was the beginning of the Advent, as we, as we, as we call it. Now, there are three things that you can see from the story. Actually, maybe more. You can look at this story from the angle of the sheer, uh, just the miracle of it. The miracle of Jesus just you know, knowing exactly what was going to happen. I mean, Jesus just said, go, so, 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 address. Uh, you're going to see a donkey. Uh, I want you to go there. And the disciples, obviously, by now, I think they are used to Jesus Christ. Uh, and it is likely they are going to say, are you sure? <clears throat> In those days, people were allowed to, <laughs> to, you know, to deal with you if you're stealing their animal or something like that. They're like, are you sure? But I think by now, they knew Jesus was, uh, you know, they knew Jesus for who he is. So they went, <coughs> excuse me. So we can see just the miracle, and everything played out exactly the way Jesus, uh, you know, Jesus predicted or saw it and instructed them. But we can also look at it from the angle of the owners of the court. Because, I mean, that's, that's another, because courts, Donkeys were really important animals. They were people's means of transportation. All right, they were tools for people to to farm. Uh, people needed their. If you have it, you know you're blessed. It's really like having a car. All right. I mean, it's just imagine you just uh, get out of the uh, get out of the house. You hear some noise outside of your house. 
you see someone opening their, you know, the door of your car, you know, just entering into the car and you say, what are you doing if you haven't called 911 yet? Uh, and you say, oh, yeah, the Lord needs it. <laughs> what do you mean the Lord? No, Jesus Christ of Nazareth needs your car. I'm like, oh, okay, fine. I think that's amazing. I mean, just, just reading that, I think that's completely amazing. I mean, that's, that they were able to release it, it is most likely they've also heard about the Lord. Most likely they were believers. So you can look at that story and say, will I release my court to Jesus? If the Lord comes to me and say, I need something that is important to you. And many of us, the Lord will always come to us at one point in time in our life and ask, I need that. I pray you'll be able to respond like this owners and just release it. Because I can imagine the joy, they, you know, a few days later, or just immediately, they see that, that their donkey and their court became the choice of transportation that Jesus chose to ride into Jerusalem. Oftentimes when we release something to the Lord, we don't understand the impact. The impact is bigger than we think, is greater than we think in the kingdom. Hallelujah. But there's another angle you can look at it. You can look at it from the angle of the court itself. Right? The court, if you look at it, the court was tied down. Court that was tied down. Is it being tied down itself is a condition of loneliness. Uh, you know, to be tied down means to be restricted, right? When you are tied down, that means you can only grace, you know, the circumference to which you are tied, right? Depending on the length of the rope, that's where your, your movement is limited. Can have fun, can play with the other courts, can do, you know, can go around the neighborhood and just do and be free. Being tied means not being free, which in itself is a negative thing. It's not always, a, to be tied is not always positive. I don't care if you're an animal, I don't care if you're a human being, no matter who you are, to be tied is to be limited. To be tied is to be restricted, to be tied is to be lonely. So you see, Jesus chose a cult that was tied down. All right? And you discover that if you look at the scripture, many times, you know, greatness or great experiences in our life, they are always preceded by period of loneliness. Period where we are separated, we are lonely, we feel dry, we feel alone, we feel abandoned, we feel ostracized. In fact, it looks like that's one of the weapons or means or vehicles that God uses either to prepare or to test his people. And you can look at many people in the scripture, almost every single person. You can look at Moses, for example, who had to be separated from everything he knew. Right? He had to run away because he was running away from his life, for his life. Uh, so Moses ran away from Pharaoh's house, from, Israel, from Egypt, where he grew up, where he was known, where he knew everybody, where he was loved, he was respected, he had all the privileges, and he had to run away and go to a place where 
it wasn't known. That's a loneliness test. All right? And for 40 years, he was separated from everything he knew. Completely separated. And it was a test. It was what he needed to go through for God to really do what he needed to do in his life. Moses needed the pruning that being separated would, be, uh, would, would do to him. Moses needed the refinement, you know, that being separated would do to him. Whatever was God was going to achieve from him, obviously God knew was never going to happen as long as Moses was in Egypt and in Pharaoh's house. That's an example. Or you want to think of Abraham. Abraham was deliberately called by God to leave. In case of Moses, he was running away, right? He ran away for his life. In case of Abraham, he was instructed uh, by God to leave his family. Exodus chapter 2, I mean, ex, I mean Genesis, sorry, chapter 12. The Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I wonder why God just had to go through. You know, sometimes God emphasizes things so that he can get it. I want you to leave your country, so the relocation must be total, total and complete. I want you to leave your country. I want you to leave your people. I want you to leave your father's household. I want you to move. That's a complete separation. I mean, you can imagine how lonely man, some of us who have relocated before you know the loneliness you go through. I relocated to the United States, you know, 20-something 20 20 years ago, and I was the only person in my family that moved, left my parents, my sister just came. After the few weeks of excitement, or months, <laughs> months of excitement, you really feel lonely. You really say to yourself, what did I do to myself? I mean, friends that you've made, I mean, you can, I mean, everything you've known just taken away from you. Now you have to make new friends, you know, try to really, you know, create a new life. Very, very serious time of loneliness. That must have been what Abraham, but the Lord said it was needed. You know, for Abraham said, leave and I will show you. And I said, I will make you into a great nation. So the making of Abraham was never going to happen as long as Abraham stayed in his country, stayed with his fathers, stayed with his people. The making was never going to happen. Uh, because you see, he said, I will make you, I will make your name great. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I mean, that's an enormous promise. That is God needed to do something in his life. And you can see 25 years, it was a 25-year story where God began to really, you know, walk with Abraham, speak with him, taught him about worship, taught him about sacrifice, taught him about faith. So Abraham can eventually become the father of faith that we all reference today. So in case of Abraham, I think he was matured enough to carry out our instructions, so the Lord spoke with him directly. It's most, like, most likely Moses wouldn't have been able to listen. I don't think maybe he wasn't as mature. So he needed to get himself into trouble and run away. 
And the third person I think of, of, you know, there are so many we can go on and on, was Joseph. You see, Joseph's separation was different, right? He was actually sold. It was a series of unfortunate situation, dysfunctionality in the family, right? I mean, I can't imagine what kind of family where your brother had to sell you into slavery, your brothers. I mean, not, not some people in the neighborhood, your own brothers, all right? So Joseph was sold. Now, Joseph, obviously, we know the background of Joseph, a talented person, a gifted person. You know, the favor of God was just upon him. I mean, everything was just going right for Joseph. His father loved him. His father spoiled him with everything he needed. He had designer shoes, designer this, designer that. That's how we describe it today, right? Coats of many colors. He was, he was so spoiled, he was envied by his own brother. So he had it good. But, uh, you know, but sometimes that, that, the, the, having it good is not always good for you. Uh, you know, God needed to separate Joseph from that environment. A lot of time when God wants to walk in your life, he needs to separate you. And separation always leads to loneliness. It needs to just remove a lot of things or remove you. And sometimes for God to remove some things from you, he needs to remove you from some things. Right? He needs to remove you from some areas, some locations, some people, so that he can really deal with you. So when you find, when you find yourself in a place where you are lonely, it's always good to reflect and ask yourself, and that's why I started by saying, when we appropriately, when we're able to discern loneliness, right? We're able to discern it and embrace it and, un- and confront it in a godly way. It can really be the best moment of our life. It can really be a, an enormous blessing. You know, a lot of time it is a pointer to the fact that God is preparing you for something. And you can look at the story, you know, all the stories we looked at, they all became lonely for different reasons. Abraham was instructed. <laughs> Joseph was sold. Moses had to run away. Three different scenarios, but the same thing. They, they, they went through a period where they were alone and God worked in them and God was able to accomplish his goal in his life. Hallelujah. So loneliness can be a blessing. I mean, when you are lonely, when you feel alone, when you feel down, you feel sad, you feel, you know, uh, ostracized, you know, you feel just, you know, rejected, even rejected. You know, you feel rejected by the people. You feel just isolated, all right? It is good to pause and assess it and analyze it, all right? If you can discern it properly, and I think what was good with all these people was it it ended well because somehow God gave them the grace to embrace it, to analyze it, right? And to move, in case of Moses, he just moved on. You know, took a new job. He was completely different from what he was used to, you know, completely different from what he would have been doing in the palace, you know, he took a job as a shepherd. I mean, just just became a, a village man. 
I mean, that's tough if you really look at it. Just became, and he just lived like that for 40 years. I mean, so when you're going through, don't think it's over. Don't think, you know, that is the verdict, that's your final verdict. No, 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 don't think so. Continue to be faithful. Continue to release yourself to the Lord. Continue to walk with God. Don't, don't switch to blaming game. Don't allow yourself to be cornered into a life of bitterness, anger. People who approach loneliness that way usually get destroyed. Is that how you do stupid things, you kill yourself, you know, you just begin, you know, to fill that loneliness with things that are unnecessary, that are destructive, you know, that it, it, it will end up badly. But when you really understand this is God at work and release yourself, it will always end well. Hallelujah. Just to wrap up, all right? I will give you a point because I know some people like points. If there is no point, there is no message, right? <laughs> All right, so we got to give you some point. How God uses loneliness in our lives. Number one, God uses loneliness to separate us from the familiar so we can really discover greatness. His greatness. Because oftentimes, you see, the familiar is the enemy of greatness. You see, what we, what we are used to, you know, things we are used to, people we are used to, environment we are used to, the system we are used to, you know, the coping mechanism we are used to, you know, they are familiar things. And a lot of times those familiar things, they are not enough to where God wants to take you. They are not enough. Right, so separation from the familiar things has always been God's way of preparing us, of introducing us to something better. Because oftentimes, many of us we will miss something better while protecting what we have. And that principle is evident in giving, for example. Giving is releasing what you are familiar, what you, what you have in your hand, right? What you have in your hand, when you release it, it becomes a vehicle for God to do something greater, something miraculous in your life. But oftentimes, it's easy to hold on to that, right? It's easy to hold on to friends that are not taking you nowhere, but you are used to them. They are there. They are destructive, but they are there. Sometimes we have people like that in our life. You know they are negative, you know they are destructive, you know they are not helping you, but they are there. And as long as you hold on to them, you are not able to get to the next level. You're not able to. Sometimes some of us, maybe your job is what you're familiar with. Right? It's easy, it's familiar. But inside of you, you know that there is greatness coming. There's something more. There is much more. I mean, I've seen people who can't change job just because they are afraid, who am I going to meet there? I wonder what my next boss is going to be, what the work environment is going to be. I love it here. Everybody likes me. Everybody, you know, they, things just work here. But that's not the best you can get. You know that. You know that that's not the best place for you. You know that you can have much more. You can do much more. But you know your attachment to the familiar becomes a hindrance to experience greatness. Many of us are not able to make new friends. 
many of us, you, you know, you're Nigerian, all your friends are Nigerian. You're Asian, all your friends are Asian. I get them. They're not helping you, but you get, they get you, you get them, and that's, we are cool. That's it. What we are familiar with, <laughs> hallelujah, what you're, oftentimes, what you're familiar with, they are not enough to take you to where you are going. Greatness involves risk-taking. Greatness involves being willing to abandon the familiar, oftentimes for something that is unknown, right? Risky. It's unknown. You're, you're just, you take a leap of faith and say, you know, I'm going to do something different. When was the last time you tried something new? I want to, in your life. When was the last time you tried something new? You did something you've never done before. If you cannot remember, chances are you are embracing the familiar and limiting yourself from getting to something greater. And God sometimes uses loneliness to do that, to separate us from the familiar so we can discover the greatness. Number two, God uses, you can clap, clap for Jesus, God. Hallelujah. Amen. God uses loneliness to encourage connectivity and dependency on him. All right? Loneliness causes us, when it's, when it's, when it's confronted correctly, forces us to go deeper, to rely on God. And that's why prayer is a very lonely activity, right? The reason why most people don't pray is because it's lonely. I mean, just being by yourself for an hour, lonely, alone with God, it's, a, it's, it's more work than driving around Parkway and Turnpike, right? Many of us would rather get into our car and just drive on Parkway and exit and get lost. <laughs> and get unlost and move around and come back home and spend an hour than just finding a corner in your room and just wait on God and worship and pray. Isn't that true? Because one involves loneliness and the other doesn't. And sometimes God separates us. He uses loneliness. He takes people away from your life. He takes things away or he takes you away. He, he just removes all those options from your life so you can truly connect with him. Because many times we can't have deep connection. We can't get into a place where we depend on God unless we are lonely. In Psalm 25 verse 17, David said, Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish. I believe in uh, uh, verse 16 talks about loneliness. You know, that I'm lonely. Relieve me. Now, loneliness will always make us to say, you know what, I need you, God. I need you, God. We always resort in that. So God uses loneliness to encourage that. Number three, God uses loneliness to prune us to refine us like gold, all right? 
to refine us. Because refinement, sometimes we, sometimes what needs to go is our lack of patience. Sometimes what needs to go is pride. All right? You know, sometimes what needs to go is just do us alternative. You know, but when we surrender to what God is doing in our life, you know, we are refined. Look at all the people we talked about. Joseph was a refined Joseph as, as at the end of his time of loneliness. Moses was a different Moses, right? He was humble. Before then, he wasn't a humble person. He was eloquent. He was charming. He was, he thought the whole world revolves around him. You know, he thought everybody should know he's the boss. Everybody should know he's the king, he's this, he's that. That was his thought. But after going through those 40 years, even when God called him to do something he wanted to do, he said, no. He was a refined man. He said, no, 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 I can't. And he said, I can't speak. I mean, I can't speak. I can't. He found all the excuse because he's been refined. Refined. Look at how Joseph responded. He used to be a very boisterous young man, right? Talk about how he's going to be great, how everybody's going to be bowing down for him. I mean, I think you must have some guts to tell your brother those dreams without some filter, right? I had a dream last night. Oh, man, you guys were bowing down for me. I don't think that's, I don't think that's the smart way to, to communicate his dream, right? But he was a gentleman. He, would, he easily forgave them, right? He even cried. All right? He's only, I mean, people that God has dealt with can cry like that. Hallelujah. So loneliness, God uses it to refine us. God also uses loneliness to inspire creativity in us. You know, I believe there is so much creativity in every one of us. But we are not in touch with it because we can't deal with loneliness. You must always be cracking jokes. You must always be among people. You must always be doing activity. You must always. It's never a time when you separate yourself and say, you know, I need a few days to just be by myself. I want you to try if every once in a while separate yourself and just be alone, you will see it is in the moment of loneliness that you become creative. Many of the problems you think you have, it is because you have not separated yourself enough to be in touch with God for God to give you solutions to them. In loneliness, we are removed from day-to-day -day activity. We are removed from the hustling and bustling, and we are able to see things from a different perspective. And we can be creative. People who write books, people who invent, most of them don't do it on Parkway, on Turnpike, you know, while, you know, in the middle of the, in the, middle of the shopping malls. You know, that's not where inspiration comes. That's not where serious things that will really be deep that is inside of you. You know, the Bible says counsel in the heart of a man is like a deep water. And a man of understanding will draw it out. It takes separation. It takes 
seclusion. It takes retreating to be able to access those things. That's why Jesus will often separate himself from his disciples. You know, he will often go to the mountain and just be alone. When last were you alone by yourself? To say, I need to separate myself. I need to find some time. Not because you are angry to somebody. Many of us are good to go when you are angry. When you are mad, you storm out, you go. You are alone, but you are angry. You are not really alone. You have so many people living in your edge. Right? That's... Some people can be by themselves, oh, but they have a thousand people, they are boxing. They are fighting inside of them. So you are still in the midst of hundreds of people, even when you are by yourself. That's not, we're talking about when you remove yourself from all these things and focus on God. So you can tap into your creativity. You can write. You can journal. You can receive from God. You can get ideas, maybe about your life, about your business, about your career, about relationship, about things that God is doing in your life if you can spend some time alone. And sometimes when we don't do it, that's why God does it for us. Takes us, ostracizes us, makes sure we we are just by ourselves. We can confront ourselves. It is also in the place of loneliness that we can confront Ourself. All right? You, you are with you when you are lonely, right? Then you are forced to talk to you and to address you, which many of us are not comfortable doing. We like to address other people, talk to other people, tell everybody what's, what's, what, why they are doing them wrong, what you are doing to hurt me, instead of asking, what am I doing to hurt myself? Or what am I doing to advance my own cause in this world? Lastly, God uses loneliness to prepare us for a greater assignment. Isaiah 40, 31 says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You see, it is those period of loneliness that you get renewed. But that is if you address it well, right? That is if you can discern it, right? You can embrace it, and you can confront it in a godly manner. You're going to see that that's when you gather more strength from God. You renew your strength. You exchange your strength then you can mount up with wings like eagles, right? That you can do bigger things. You can go to the next level. You know, you can run and not be weary. You can go through life without breakdown, you know, without being just, you know, I'm, you know, burnt out, breakdown every, ever so often because you're just running and running and running. You don't find time to refuel yourself. You know, loneliness is a time when God used, that God uses to prepare us for a greater assignment. So I don't know where you are. I don't know where you are in your life. Maybe you're going through that moment right now where you feel lonely, you feel abandoned, you feel ostracized, you feel different, maybe you feel dry. 
don't always assume it's negative. Don't always assume it's all bad, it's all negative. First of all, it's usually for a season. Loneliness is never where, you know, what you will be for the rest of your life. It's a season. I want you to get in touch with it. I want you to embrace it. Maybe God is doing something. Maybe God wants me to pay attention. Maybe the reason why everybody seems to just not be calling me these days is really because I need to be by myself. And God, I need to really be in touch with God. Maybe I need to remove all these crutches that I've been using to support myself and try to walk by myself for some months and try to be in touch with God instead of all these prayer warriors that I call all the time. I don't pray, but I have contractors that pray for me. (laughs) Then those people don't pick up the phone anymore. God made them busy. They have their own life. Instead of being angry at them, that, oh, they don't, nobody calls me anymore. Nobody prays for me anymore. Oh, everybody has abandoned me. No, God has not abandoned you. In fact, God removes those people so you can be with him. There is blessing in loneliness. There is a blessing in your loneliness. Can we bow down our heads and pray? I want, I'll give you a few seconds to just get in touch with him. Just be alone with him. I'll give you a few seconds. Just be alone with him. Just be in touch. Just reflect on what you've heard now. Where is God speaking to you? Chances are God is speaking to you differently. Hundreds of us here, God is doing something different in you. And I want you to just get in touch with him. Holy Spirit, we just invite you. Have your way. I pray that you will interpret this message in a way that is appropriate for each person here. I pray, Holy Spirit, you will personalize this message for every single person here. Personalize it, Holy Spirit. You are our personal teacher. And that's what you do. You you say we do not need anyone to teach us but there's an anointing inside of every one of us that will teach us all things. So I pray you will take this message and use it to teach each person what you want them to correct, what you want them to change, what you want them to confront. Open their eyes to what you are doing in their life right now. Give them the courage and the boldness to embrace what you're doing and to totally surrender themselves to you so you can accomplish your will in their lives. Thank you, Father. I give you all glory. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen.